Can't get enough of Rebel Girls? Well, luckily, the Rebel Girls app is now completely free. That's right, you can listen to the entire library of goodnight stories for Rebel Girls ad-free. Plus, check out the app's cool features like activities, trivia, custom playlists, and more. All parent-trusted and kids-safe. Find out more at rebelgirls.com slash audio and download the Rebel Girls app today. Thanks for listening. Hi, my name's Ren, and my best friend Drac is a vampire. Oh, but before you freak out, let me explain. Drac isn't like other vampires. He doesn't thirst for blood. He thirsts for knowledge. Each week, we hop into the coffin of curiosity for a spectacular adventure to learn about everything and anything, from how the sun works to why we burp. We have lots of fun, so join us. I promise that the only thing Drac will drink up is information, okay? Worst case scenario, he squirts you with some sunscreen. Search for Drac on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts for the ride of your life. Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This Warty Tales Story Club members might make you play it cool on Halloween with the tricks. It's one I call Face Like a Frog. Will you hurry up with that stuff? It's almost midnight. Halloween's gonna be over before your snail-dragging rear gets into gear, Candace said. Candace Waters and Janie Martin stocked up the street wearing dark clothes and frog masks. Janie carried a sports bag. Sorry, it's my little brother's birthday today, and my mom always insists on doing a party the day of. Not the day before or the day after, or my brother gets kinda sad. It's kinda cute and pathetic, explained Janie. Well, your mom is lame, and so is your little brother, and so are you. Now hurry up. Should we really be doing this? I mean, we could get in trouble, maybe go to jail. What's the big deal? We're gonna redecorate Almira Crabtree's creepy old house with a few eggs and some toilet paper. Everybody does it on Halloween. No, they don't. I don't. Didn't I say you were lame before? Candace, or Candy to her friends, was the cutest girl in Grimm's Grove Elementary School, but also the meanest for some reason. Her only true friend who stuck with her through thick and thin was Janie Martin, or as Candy cruelly called her, Plain Jane. Janie didn't have many friends, or much of a personality for that matter, so she put up with Candy's viciousness, believing it was friendship. Candy would have chosen cuter masks than frog faces, but that's all they had at the dollar store on the last night of October. Better than nothing. The first week of fifth grade, Almira Crabtree was Candy's new homeroom teacher. She always seemed to pick on her, calling on Candy during class and asking her to solve math problems on the board. Candy hated math. When Candy asked Miss Crabtree one day why she always seemed to be picking on her, the teacher said, "'Because I know you can do better. I see the potential in you and it's my job to bring it out.'" Yeah, Candy thought. "'You wanna see potential? I'll show you potential.'" Just last Saturday, she'd seen Miss Crabtree sitting on her porch drinking tea, not looking at her phone or anything, just sitting and sipping, like a complete psycho. They arrived at the sprawling dark Victorian house surrounded by a white picket fence that said Crabtree on the mailbox. Two jack-o'-lanterns were slowly burning out, their candles dying. Candy and Janie hid in the shrubs and waited for the porch light to snap off, which meant the targeted resident was calling it a night. The blazing light extinguished. Time to go to work. Candy unzipped the canvas sports bag that was filled with two dozen eggs, several rolls of toilet paper, and some sidewalk chalk. Janie picked up one of the rolls of paper. She threw it into the yard. Nothing happened. Um, how does this even work? No, ding-dong, you have to unspool it like this. Candy demonstrated, then tossed it. The toilet paper roll flew through the air, a long white tail unspooling behind it. 
It landed in an elm tree and fell to the ground. After several more rolls in the trees and on the house, the place looked like some kind of chaotic party had taken place. Candy pulled out the sidewalk chalk, and on the walkway leading up to the house, she wrote, Almira Crabtree is an ugly witch. Now for the eggs. Hand me some, plain Jane. Could you please not call me that? Janie pleaded for the millionth time. It's kinda mean. Shut up and throw, retorted Candy. Splat, splat, splat. They heaved the eggs like mini hand grenades against the house and windows, which exploded in white and yellow slime, dripping down the boards and panes. The porch light snapped back on. Okay, time to jet. Grab the bag, plain Jane. Almira Crabtree wandered out onto the porch. She was a small woman with flowing hair the color of a burning Halloween pumpkin. She wore a dark robe. What have you done to my house? She called out into the night. I'm getting out of here, Janie whispered. She dropped her bag and ran as fast as she could out of the yard and down the dark street, which was now totally quiet and absent of trick-or-treaters. Miss Crabtree's eyes had adjusted to the night and it was too late for Candy, who was still standing in the yard. But of course, Candy thought, it's not like she can prove it's me under the frog mask. All tricks and no treats for you, witch. Candy threw the last egg right at Miss Crabtree. Splat. It landed right on her teacher's robe. Happy Halloween, creepy lady. Candy, I know that's you under that mask. I recognize you from your shoes. Whoops. Candy was wearing her favorite orange high-top sneakers, the one she wore to school almost every day. And if you like doing ugly things to people, maybe you should learn a lesson. Miss Crabtree waved her hands and said some words which sounded like they were in a different language, maybe Latin. Candy ran off, a little shaken. Her teacher had recognized her. What would tomorrow be like when she went to school? She definitely wouldn't wear those shoes. Maybe she'd pretend like nothing happened and would deny everything. Yeah, that's the ticket. But Candy had worse things to worry about in the morning, for when she woke up, she had the face of a frog. She screamed in the bathroom mirror. Being groggy from not sleeping much the night before, she thought at first that she'd forgotten to take off her cheap mask. But this was no mask. Candy had the face of a slimy green tree frog with two eyes the color of coal. Her mom came into the room. Would you take off that frog mask? You're gonna be late for school. Candy started to cry. It's not a mask, mom. I, I wish it was. It won't come off. It's my face now. Candy's mother rolled her eyes. Enough tricks. Halloween is over. She walked over to her and tried to pull off the mask. When she couldn't, she screamed too. An hour later, they were in the doctor's office. Candy had to walk into the waiting room with a bag over her head. The doctor could not explain why she had the face of a frog. In fact, it was medically impossible. He took her blood and said he'd run a few tests. That was all he could do. Candy wanted to say that it was a witch's hex, not anything medical, but she knew her mom and the doctor wouldn't believe her. And then she'd have to explain what she was doing on Halloween night, too. Candy spent the next three days at home. The tests all came back negative. The doctor suggested Candy see another doctor to run different tests. Candy explained this to Janie on the phone. I know it was that witch Almira Crabtree. Then maybe we should go apologize to her and clean up her lawn and house. No, I'm not doing that. A tapping at the glass of Candy's bedroom window made her hang up. A large, stately black raven stood outside her window. He grasped something in his long, dark beak. Candy opened the window. The dark bird hopped onto the sill, dropped the piece of paper in her hand, and croaked at her before flying off. The note only said three words. Come see me. Candy knew what that meant. Miss Crabtree had given her a note like that in class once. She went into the backyard after dinner, telling her mom she was bored in the house and wanting to spend some time outside. When the coast was clear, Candy slipped out of the yard and across several of the neighbor's yards to Miss Crabtree's house. 
The woman waited on the back porch. A raven perched on her chair. I see you received Seymour's message. What you did, Candy, was very ugly. You might be the prettiest girl in school, but you have an ugly heart. So, I just gave you the face to match. Do you want this spell undone? Candy nodded her amphibian head. I will undo the spell, but only after you clean up my yard and house. Then, I'll keep a close eye on you at school. No more cruelty from you toward anyone, or you'll pay the price again. And remember, my frog-faced friend, beauty is only skin deep. Candy wanted this chance to fix her face. She also wanted the grasshopper that jumped up onto the porch step. Why? Gross. She couldn't help herself. She flicked her long, sticky red tongue like a whip, snapped up the insect, and ate it. Yeah, I didn't really need that last part of the story. Yucko. That's enough to put off your popcorn. But maybe Candy learned a lesson about being mean to people, especially ones who were trying to help you to be better. Either that, or Candy could join the swim team next summer. I bet she'd be a world champion as a frog. There's always a silver lining to misfortune, right? <laughs> Hello again, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is another chilling tale. This blood-curdling tale, Story Club members, might make you sleep with the window locked and the shade pulled down. It's one I call the Night Stalker. The glass vial stood on the kitchen counter. Within it was a soil so dark it was almost black. What's so special about this, Dad? Lucy Seward asked. It's just a vial full of dirt. It's not just any dirt, Lucy. It's genuine earth from Dracula's castle. Sure, Dad. Lucy rolled her eyes. Lucy might just be 10 years old, and she might have fallen for lots of stuff in the past, but there was no way she was going to believe there was a real Dracula's castle. Dracula was just a movie character with a long black cape, slick black hair, and plastic fangs. Oh, and don't forget the fake blood dripping down from his mouth. Lucy's dad had just returned from a work trip. He sold software to different companies all over the world. He usually came back from places with really cool presents, like fantastic silk slippers from Japan or a cool purse from Italy. He'd just come back from the Romanian city of Bucharest, and disappointingly, all he'd brought her was this vial of dirt. She shouldn't be too surprised, though. When Lucy's dad wasn't working, he was always going for hikes and collecting rocks and stuff. He had lots of vials of dirt and plenty of rocks in his office. He was always trying to show the dirt and rocks to people and tell them how cool they were, but their eyes glazed over from the boredom after about three seconds. I'm serious. Her dad insisted. I did a little hiking in the Carpathian Mountains. I went to the Poenari Castle, the original castle of Vlad the Impaler, who was also known as Dracula. Talk about a hike. It was 1,480 concrete steps up to the mountain to the old ruins. Anyway, I had this vial in my bag. You know, out of habit. I found this place under the ruins where the soil was darker and richer, so I scooped up some into this vial. And then I had to sneak it back through customs in my shaving kit. They don't really like stuff leaving the country. Ooh, illegal dirt. Well, thanks, Dad. Lucy tried to look excited for his sake. He smiled, said something about catching up on his geology work, and left. Lucy's cat, Midnight, clipped across the kitchen floor. She had long claws, so she always clicked when she walked. The clicking almost made it sound like she was wearing high heels. She was a black cat with a white belly, and she had the most beautiful yellow eyes. Lucy had raised her since she was a kitten. Her mom had found her one night wandering around in the late hours alone, lost and hungry. Do you want your dinner, Midnight? The cat responded with a warm, meow. Midnight had just awoken from a nap. She was a fat and lazy cat, never wanting to go outside. She didn't like to play, either. Lucy bought her a bunch of toy mice to chase. 
The idle cat had regarded her with a puzzled gaze and then went back to sleep. Lucy thought that Midnight would probably run away from a real mouse. Yeah, so Midnight wasn't the most exciting cat, but she was her best friend. The feline listened and seemed to understand her. They had a special connection. She opened a can of Midnight's favorite food, turkey and giblets. Yuck, the smell of that stuff always made Lucy feel a little queasy. The vial fell on the floor and broke. Black dirt went everywhere. Some even scattered onto Midnight's food. Lucy was about to pull her dirty food away and open a new can, but the hungry cat lapped it up before she had a chance. It's just dirt, she thought. Can't really hurt. It's a natural organic material after all. She bet lots of cats and dogs outdoors ate their share of dirt. Midnight would be fine. Her first taste of the great outdoors in years. She didn't want her dad to be disappointed that she'd broken his gift, even though it was kinda lame. So she grabbed a dustpan and swept the scattered soil into a pile. Lucy knew where he kept his extra vials. She found one among his hiking things and she poured the Dracula dirt in it. She threw the broken vial away and that was that. Nobody would be the wiser. Midnight finished her food and then did something unexpected. She stood at the back door and meowed, loudly. Lucy could count on one hand how many times her dark cat had wanted to go outside. And when Midnight did go out on rare occasions, she always went on the back porch, sniffed the air, turned around, and retreated back inside. But not this time. Midnight strolled out the door, sat on the porch a moment, and then was gone. Lucy called after her, but the cat had vanished. Oh well, it might be good for her to explore the world that she's been missing. It wouldn't be dark for hours anyway. She'd definitely go out to find Midnight before then. Two sad things happened next. First, Lucy went out about an hour after Midnight went outside, but she couldn't find her cat. Lucy opened up another can of turkey and giblets, but her dark feline friend never showed up. Second, she discovered a dead rat on the back porch. It must have come from the woods just beyond the backyard of the house. It was the biggest rat she'd ever seen, more than a foot long from nose to tail. It wasn't chewed up like a cat would do, but it looked kind of deflated like an empty balloon. There wasn't a drop of blood in sight. She told her parents about Midnight missing and then the dead rat. Midnight probably got it, her dad said. No way Midnight would know how to catch a rat, she wouldn't even go near one. Okay, well, if Midnight isn't back by this evening, I'll help you look for her, her mom said. Welp, the afternoon came and went. Her parents helped Lucy look for Midnight, but she was nowhere to be found. The whole time they were looking for Midnight, Lucy felt like she was being watched. She peered out into the dark trees beyond the backyard. She couldn't see anything. Something woke her up in the middle of the night. She glanced over at the digital clock on the nightstand. It said 3.15 a.m. Then she heard it clearly. A click, click, click. The unmistakable sound of Midnight's claws. The cat appeared in the window like a shadow. She looked like a big mass with the moonlight behind her. Midnight, it's you! Lucy rushed over to the window and started to open it. But in that moment, she realized that it wasn't Midnight. This cat's eyes were glowing red, as red as the numbers on her digital clock. Long fangs stuck out of the cat's mouth. Midnight didn't have teeth like that. The cat sat on the windowsill, unmoving, as still as a gravestone. Lucy was terrified but couldn't move, feeling like she was caught in a trance. She couldn't look away from those shining eyes. They were commanding her to open the window, demanding to be invited in. And so Lucy opened the window. So how much you want to bet that midnight-turned-Dracula cat leaped onto Lucy, bit her neck, and then turned her into a vampire after sipping her blood? Or maybe that's just me. I think I've seen way too many vampire movies. 
Maybe Lucy was only having a realistic dream. And maybe Midnight is still out there in the woods beyond the backyard, safe and enjoying her new surroundings. One can dream. <laughs> As a podcast network, our first priority has always been audio and the stories we're able to share with you. But we also sell merch, and organizing that was made both possible and easy with Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell and grow at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. They have an all-in-one e-commerce platform and in-person POS system, so wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. Shopify has allowed us to share something tangible with the podcast community we've built here, selling our beanies, sweatshirts, and mugs to fans of our shows without taking up too much time from all the other work we do to bring you even more great content. And it's not just us. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Shopify is also the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com realm, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash R-E-A-L-M now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash realm. Do you like to laugh? Ah, who am I kidding? Who doesn't like to laugh? So, okay, if you love to laugh, you'll love Don't Break the Rules. It's a hilarious comedy improv podcast where the voice actors make up their lines on the spot and try to be the only actor who doesn't break the rules. These talented actors are great at coming up with silly scenes and stories when they follow the rules for the episode. And it gets even sillier when they accidentally break the rules. The stories are guided by suggestions from kids like you. And the episodes feature laughs, burps, and the occasional unicorn. So if you'd like to giggle and play along, be sure to listen to Don't Break the Rules wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, R.L. Stein Story Club members. I'm Ivy, your ghostly host and keeper of those strange and spooky tales from the hidden vault of R.L. Stein. Today is yet again another chilling tale. This Shattering Tales Story Club members might make you not want to pick up stuff that you randomly find. It's one I call the Painted Eggs Cracked. Catherine Price saw it as she walked home from school one spring day. It spoke to her. Well, not literally. But the way it caught the sunlight, the way the light glinted off its smooth, shiny surface, it seemed to speak and want her attention. It was a rock, but not your ordinary garden variety rock that's dull and gray and boring. No, this rock looked like stained glass. It had swirling colors of berry purple, midnight blue, and fire orange. Beautiful. The pretty rock was down in a hole. The city power company had dug some ditches to lay some new underground cables. Catherine had seen crews of workers in bright orange hard hats and dirty overalls working in this area every day as she walked to and from school. Nobody was around today, though. It was just her and the rock. She had to have it. 
Setting down her backpack on the sidewalk, Catherine climbed down into the four-foot-deep trench. The shiny rock hid in the dirt bank, but stuck out enough to catch the rays of the afternoon sun. Catherine clawed the soft dirt around the rock and pulled it free. The swirling colored rock was about the size of a softball in her hands. She shook it and estimated that it weighed about four pounds. Looking close at the swirling patterns under the light, it seemed to spin and dance like clouds. Was it the light playing tricks on her eyes? Or did the twisting pattern of the rock actually move? And how did the workers who dug up the trench not find this? Catherine could only guess. And then she saw more. In the hole where the one rock had been, she could clearly see another. Score? With a bit more digging at the dirt, the grime kicking under her fingernails, she unearthed the second rock. It looked similar to its mate, except it had swirls of deep emerald green, too. What a lucky day this is, Catherine exclaimed aloud. But Catherine soon realized that she made a mistake, because they were not rocks. A few days after Catherine had lugged the two rocks home in her backpack, the beautiful rocks, which turned out to be eggs, hatched and split open. There was a lizard inside each one of them. The lizards were about three inches long and slender, with tails that took up about an inch of their body. They had scaly skin like a snake, but spines on their back like an iguana. But these were clearly not iguanas or any other type of lizard Catherine had seen before. They had nubs on their back, two each, that looked like they might be ready to sprout wings. They looked like dragons. They looked like the mythical beasts that she'd seen in movies and picture books. And they had voracious appetites. Catherine fed them anything and everything she could find. Potato chips, half-eaten sandwiches, and rotten vegetables from the refrigerator. But what they most liked was meat. Her mom had some old stinky hamburgers in the meat drawer that had gone bad. Holding her nose, she fed it to the two garbage disposals as she called them. With their needle-sharp teeth and powerful jaws, yeah, powerful even at three inches long, they greedily ripped at the gray meat and swallowed the stinky flesh chunks whole. Catherine kept the two garbage disposals in an old 300-gallon fish tank in the two-bedroom apartment she and her mom shared. After the last of her goldfish died in September, she hadn't had the heart to get any more pets. But those little creatures amused her. Her mom told her that she could keep them as long as you take care of them. Well, obviously she would take care of them. I only hope you don't get any bigger, Catherine said to her strange new pets. Either that, or mom's gonna have to keep the refrigerator well stocked with food. But the dragons did get bigger. It'd been over a week since Catherine had found the swirling colored rocks. Each time she fed the beasts, they seemed to grow. At first, only a half inch one day, then an inch the next. This morning, they were both a foot long. Catherine's mom finally said that she had to get rid of them. They couldn't afford to feed the animals any longer, and they were simply getting too big. The dragons had started to stumble over each other in the 30-gallon tank. The nubs on their backs had also sprouted some fan-shaped skin that looked like wings. They were growing up so quickly. And then, the inevitable happened. When Catherine got home from basketball practice one evening, she realized that she was too late. The dragons had escaped. Catherine had planned to take them to her science teacher to see what he thought, but now they were gone. The fish tank lay shattered on the floor. Catherine suddenly got worried. She wished her mom had come in with her from the car, but she had dropped Catherine off after picking her up from practice and then gone off again to pick up some things for dinner at the supermarket. The apartment was in shambles, books strewn everywhere, pillows with their stuffing torn out, and the dining room chairs were overturned. The dragons had torn up the kitchen, too, and the refrigerator door was wide open. All the food was gone. Catherine found something strange mixed in with the spilled ketchup and hot sauce on the floor. It looked thin, like rice paper, and was about a foot long. She picked it up. Skin. 
Had the hungry beasts shed their skin and grown larger still? Catherine heard a scream from next door. There was another half scream and then it was quickly cut off. She bolted out her door and to the next apartment door. It was old Mrs. Clark. She lived alone and had been there long before Catherine and her mom moved into the building five years ago. Catherine grabbed a fire extinguisher that hung on the hallway wall. It was the only weapon she could find. Who knew if she would need one? She started through Mrs. Clark's open door. It had been smashed open. That was when she noticed that all the doors down the hallway, from 3A to 3K, were smashed in the same way. She entered the old woman's apartment. This place was a mess too. The dragons were definitely responsible. Mrs. Clark? Catherine called. Are you okay? Catherine heard a growl as she entered the living room. The two dragons, now six feet long, both stood over a tattered bathrobe that had once belonged to Mrs. Clark. They saw Catherine and hissed, stabbing at her with their blood-red forked tongues. Catherine held up the fire extinguisher, her only defense. Get back! The dragons ignored her command and stalked toward her. Concerned, Catherine grabbed the hose off the fire extinguisher, pulled the safety pin out, aimed it, and squeezed the handle. Foosh! The dragons were both caked in a sweep of cold carbon dioxide foam. They screeched and retreated. Catherine held her weapon high, ready to fire another cold burst. But the dragons didn't attack. The bat-like wings on their back opened and stretched out into a 10-foot wingspan. They both flapped their pair of wings, creating a ferocious wind in the apartment that blew Catherine's hair back. And then the dragons were gone into the night. They escaped out the open living room window and bat-flapped their wings toward the twinkling lights of town. Catherine dashed out of the apartment, down the stairs, and out into the street. She was frantic. She had to warn people everywhere of the danger. There were killer dragons among them. Pedestrians on the street stopped to look at the girl, who must have looked like a maniac with her hair blown back and wild-eyed. They're here! Catherine screamed at every person she saw on the street, coming out of stores and parking their cars. You're next, you're next, you're next! Welp, that was one scrambled egg catastrophe. And you didn't see my kitchen after breakfast. Poor Catherine. She tried to do the right thing by feeding those little guys, but then they grew up to be monsters. Just like my fur babies Spike and Renfield. Sometimes our kids give us grief, am I right? And as usual, come back tomorrow for another episode, because every R.L. Stein Story Club member needs a little scare every day. Ivy out! Go kid, go! Good news alert! We've sniffed out a winner from the Go Kid Go team, Snoop and Sniffy. What happens when Snoop, an experienced dog detective from London, gets sent to small town Pflugerville to train clueless puppy Sniffy as an undercover agent? Mystery, adventure, and chaos! Seriously, the town of Pflugerville isn't Dullsville like Snoop expected, and he quickly realizes that he can't handle all the action without Sniffy by his side. Even when they're able to turn a blind eye to the alien superheroes and villains battling it out for control of Pflugerville, Snoop and Sniffy have their paws full on Bark Street, with hilarious busybodies like Lorraine the Neighborhood Watchduck, Poot the Groundhog, and Fred the Squirrel popping around. Do you love to laugh? Do you love animals? Do you have the brightest mind since Sherlock Holmes? Yes? Then tag along with us for the fun and see if you can help solve the mysteries by listening to Snoop and Sniffy on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts.